Very special guest in the studio now. Uh, he's a St. Helens boxer. He's also the WBC silver middleweight champion, Martin Murray. Morning to you, Martin. Great to see you. Morning, mate. Thanks uh, for having me on. Congratulations on the uh, WBC silver middleweight title. And, you know, here on the City Tour Breakfast Show, we've talked about great nights, great boxing nights. We've talked about the Echo Arena. We've talked about the MEN. We've even talked about Las Vegas, but yours, your fight uh, the other night was in just one of the destinations. Just tell us about it. Yeah, it was in uh, the casino, the main casino in, in, in Monte Carlo. It was um, one of the biggest of shows, but it was a very you know, very special event. It was um, yeah, it was just great to be involved in boxing over there and great to, great to box in a place like that. Just give us a sense of the sort of, um, as you say, not the biggest event, but the sort of, the scale of it, because there are there are big wigs down there, aren't there? Yeah, well, the, well before, I mean, the, the show itself, it was in a part of the casino that that I'm told is only open for the like the eye rollers who are gambling, the like Russian, you know, multi multi millionaires. So it's not really open to the public, but they've uh, they they opened it. They did a special event on that night for the boxing, and um, yeah, like I said, it wasn't wasn't the biggest of shows, but. You know, people ask me, "Well, how did it make money?" And like the front row seat, like you know, the, the it was it was ten grand a seat. So all the uh, all the all the eye rollers were there, all the people with loads of money. And yeah, like I said, it was just great to be to be involved in boxing over there. And it's in one of those sort of rooms, which is like one of these ornate rooms with like gold leaf and you know incredible like artwork all over the walls as well. It wasn't anything like any of the sort of regular arenas or or boxing clubs you'd be expecting to see. <laughs> no, it looks. Um, Someone tweeted me actually on Twitter and they put a picture of me and they said, "What what was it like fighting on Antiques Roadshow?" And it actually, yeah, you know, that's what it looked like. But yeah, it wasn't. You used to in the venues, you know, whether it's whether it's the big venue with the thousands of people there or even the small hall shows, um, you're not used to fighting a place like that. You've had a great career in boxing, but you're a proud St. Helens lad, and you you know you you don't go far from St. Helens. You're yeah. proud of your family. What was it like? seeing all those lads and the girls who came down from St. Helens rocking up in, in Monte Carlo. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I've, the support I've got in St. Helens is, you know, I, I, can't, I can't thank everybody enough for the support I've got, um, as, as well as, you know, my wife from Warrington. I live in Warrington now with my wife and, and my kids and the support I've got over there is amazing as well. So we had we had quite a lot coming down from, there was about 80 or 90 uh, coming, coming over from, from uh, St. Helens, Warrington, all them ways. And uh, it was just brilliant. You know, I, I fought in I fought in South South Africa, in April, Argentina, you know, and they've been everywhere with me. If I fought on North Pole, they'd be there, you know. So I knew that they'd come over, but it was great. You know, they all come over. We had we, we had um, the weigh-in and then we had the fight and then we had a couple of days after, so it was a good time. Um, I bet they had a great time because... Monte Carlo and St. Helens, are there, are there two different places? <laughs> <laughs> Saying that I think it was a world record for uh, the most intelligence in Monte Carlo, I don't think. Well, I think actually, when I'm fighting there next time, we're looking at the second a lot more, so we'll hopefully bear that record. But yeah, two completely different places, but um, yeah, they, they loved it. And to be honest with you, the, the, the people in Monte Carlo loved loved us, loved them all as well. You know, they're, they're all great people and they, they went over there and they just, the the real people. You know, and the, you go over there to all them bigwigs over there, and they they, they kind of like a bit detached from society in that sense. So seeing people like that, you know, they they just got on with them, and they, they all had a good time. Any of them decide to stay down there? 
Try and mix it with the high rollers. My mate was after staying, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he come home unfortunately. But he's uh, he, he's serious after staying over there, him. So we'll have to keep a lot, our eye on him next time we go over. Uh, Twenty fourteen and, and beyond already has been a, a, a decent year, looking at like a fantastic year. Twenty thirteen though was a little bit different, wasn't it? Yeah, um, last year was a mixture of high and lows for myself. I started the year really well. Went over. Argentina and fought Sergio Martinez, who at the time was the pound-for-pound best middleweight on the planet, and not many people gave me a chance, but I went over. We knew we wasn't going to get the decision, had it gone to points, and it did, but we thought we won. But we come out of that fight with our heads held high. You know, we got more out of that from a loss than he did from a win, and everything was looking like it was going well, and then there was just let down after let down with uh, the promoter was with. And I didn't want to leave him, but they just kept letting me down and it just got to a stage where I needed better my career. So I left him. I ended up fighting once at the end in uh, in December. And um and yeah, when you know, when that year ended it was you know, it was nice to see the back of it and you know, get get on to a good year in 2014 and the way it started the first six months of it, it's been looking that way. Because you had the fight in Manchester and then you went to Argentina and then you found yourself at the XL. Uh, yeah. and then followed by, was it, let me get this right, South Africa and then Monte Carlo. Yeah. So it's fairly varied. Where are you at now in terms of where you could be fighting, where you're expecting to be fighting? Yeah, well, basically... Because uh, we all need to start saving our money. Yeah, I know. Uh, basically, at the start of this year, um, I, I changed promoters and I got with the South African-based promoter Golden Gloves. And the the idea of them was the the me three fight daily Monte Carlo. Um, the reason I fought in South Africa was because I've been so inactive last year that I needed to get myself back on the map and that was that was the way of doing it, you know, just for get me get my feet back in there. So we took that fight and and then my first fight, the first one of the free fight deal was in Monte Carlo, which was last week. So my next two were gonna be in Monte Carlo. So we've got fighting in there in October, fighting there in February. And we're hoping in the meantime in them next two fights I'm gonna become world champion and then we're gonna come back and defend it here and you know, we've got everything waiting to go at the Langtree Park at St. Helens, the rugby ground. Um, you know, and it's always been a dream of mine since being a since being a young boy to fight there. And um, you know, if all goes well and I bring that world title back, then I'll be making my first defence at St. Helens. So that could be three fights time? In three fights time, yeah. I've got my next two and then the way it's all working out, it's looking looking well with the a summer show at Saints next year, but the reason it has to be summer, obviously, for the weather over here, but it needs to be for the right fight. And like I said, hopefully we'll have that world title and be making an oncoming at Saints. That's the dream anyway. So, you know, I'm just uh, working my way towards that now. Can you imagine the queues? Imagine the queues for tickets when that gets yeah. announced. That's going to be something else. Yeah, it'd be, be amazing. There's been a lot of people asking for it for a long while. And, you know, it was always a dream to me, but it's becoming a reality now. Reality now. So I've just got to, I've just got to stick at it. I've just got to keep working hard. And just keep just keep pushing on towards that world title. But it's amazing that the, the twenty thirteen that you had and the highs and lows, presumably you weren't quite sure where you were going to be. And to be able to turn that around in twenty fourteen to set yourself on a path which has gone one two fights, and then looking at a world title within another two fights, the, the turnaround there is is pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, last year was like I said, it was a mixture of high and lows. It was so frustrating after a comeback from the Martinez fight. I just I was back in the gym after two weeks and I was just, you know, I basically trained for six months last year without a fight. I got the fight in December. But I was under the impression, and I've always believed it, that 
if you work hard, good things will come. And that's what was motivating me. And then we started this year, we changed promoters. Um, my, my friend, who you know, a very good friend of mine, who's now my agent, Andrew McKyle, he um, he started working for me. We got hooked up with Golden Gloves. And, you know, having having such a good person like that, looking out for my career with top promoters like Golden Gloves, you know, it was always going to be a success. So I'm just happy now that I've got a great team who's, who's looking out for the best interest of me and my team. And, yeah, everything's going well. Just tell us about um, the title, the world title that you, you're gunning for at the moment, just in terms of who might have that title when, when it comes to a, a fight night and who you might be taking on because there's a real, real big name in there. Yeah, well, the um, obviously the, the, the person I got beat off last year, Sergio Martinez, fought Miguel Cotto um, last month, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, Cotto won. So he's up there now. He, he's actually the WBC genuine world champion. And yeah, by me winning that title, I've kind of like put 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 myself into a manager position to fight him. You know, maybe a final eliminator, maybe against a Mexican called Marco Antonio Rubio. But we believe that Cotto might, you know, he might stay there. But we believe he's gonna he's gonna vacate because we don't think he's big enough at middleweight. So. You know, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd love to fight him. He's obviously he's a he's a living boxing legend, and I'd love to get in the get in the ring and share the ring with him. But um, whether it's him or whoever it is, I just you know I just want to want to win that world title now. And you know, I'm so close, and I know this time, third time lucky. And when I do fight for it, I'll definitely be coming away with it. It's about getting over the line, isn't it? I guess putting yourself into this position as you've done now. And then about taking it to the next level. Um, is it about just staying on the path that you're on, doing the things that you're doing and, and believing that you're good enough? Or will you have to pick things up, mix things up a little bit? You're going to have to do that. Obviously, different opponents bring different game plans and bring different styles. So you're always going to have to mix things up and change things. But the most important thing for me, and I, I mean, I, I don't even have to believe in my team. I know how good my trainer is. I know how good... The, you know my family, my family life is, and 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 you know the people who's around me, who's looking after me. I know how good they are, but the, just the most important thing for me is just staying focused and 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 just keeping my eyes on the prize and just just you know just just working hard. And you know when I turned professional in in uh, two thousand and six, no, it was two thousand and seven. <laughs> Too many shots. When I, turned, <laughs> when I turned professional in two thousand and seven, it was always a dream of mine just to win the British title because I know what boxing's like and the politics side of things and when I started all it was was I'm just going to try my best today work hard you know no distractions just commit to it 110% and see where I get I'd love to get to a British title and obviously won the British title and then it was like right next step now I'd love I'd love to be European champion I've I'm not the European champion but I, I believe I've surpassed that level you know I'm on I'm on the world stage uh, on the world stage now with the with the elite fighters so the next step for me is becoming a world world champion, and um, you know I, I know I know I'm good enough to win one. I know everything around me good, and I've just got to, like I said, I've just got to stay focused. And you're 31 now, getting on 32 at the end of September. Yeah. Do you know in your head how many fights <clears throat> you've got left in you? Um, not not really. I mean, as long as as long as the big fights are there, then then you know and. And I'm, you know, the the idea is obviously becoming a world champion and just keep defending it and defending it and defending it up until I'm financially secure for for the rest of my life and my kids will be, you know, in an ideal world. But it's boxing and 
you know, that really doesn't happen. But as in terms of how many fights I've got left and, you know, when I'm going to retire, I've, I can't really put an age on that because I only turn professional late and when I fight, I, I try and not get it a lot. <laughs> you know, I've not been in many wars. Um, so I know that there's, there is plenty of wars left in me. I'm 31, but I'm quite fresh. I'm, well, I'm, I'm really fresh from the age 31, so I can see me being a Bernard Hopkins and going on to about 46. But Can that happen in a, in a career, a boxing career? One fight where you take so many blows shortens your career because you suddenly think, you know what, I'm, I'm not capable of going through that, you know, four yeah. or five oh, more yeah. times. It, it definitely can. Um, when you just said that, one fight springs to mind was, um, I don't, you know, if any boxing fans are listening, they might have watched it. It was Julio Cesar Fez and Meldrick Taylor years ago. It went on, Meldrick Taylor, he, he, he hammered him for like, he hammered Chavez for like 11 and a half rounds. But all the time Chavez was hitting him with some heavy shots and then Chavez ended up knocking him out with a couple of seconds to go. And he never ever recovered from that fight. You know, he, he, he they, they did interviews with him after and they had a rematch, but he was never the same fighter after that fight. And it can happen. You know, boxing's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous sport and things like that do happen. So, like I said, I try and not get it. Um, you know, I've, I want a life after boxing, but boxing is my life for the time being. But I know after boxing, I'm gonna have a different life. So, you know, the 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 idea of it was me is, is is there is there is a career after boxing. So, so just stay fresh. But fights definitely, one hard fight can definitely change a fighter's career. We got uh, Marty Murray with us on the show. St Helens boxer, WBC silver middleweight champion as well. Uh, we've got more from Martin on the way. This, this is City Talk 105.9. We got St Helens boxer, WBC silver middleweight champion Martin Murray, uh, and also Gibbo from the Anfield. <laughs> how many what world, a villain! How many world titles have you got? <laughs> Not as many as you think. Uh, we, we were talking to uh, Martin before, and uh, Martin's sticking with us about fighting. He fought in, in South America, yeah. in Argentina. You just got back from Brazil, Gibbo. Indeed. And the World Cup. You watched six games. Went to six games, did you yeah. See, did you see Argentina? I didn't see Argentina, no. They were one team we didn't see. would have been a great experience, but no. Uh, it looked like you're having a whale of a time, according to your Twitter feed. And all the images that we've seen on TV looks that Brazil's a pretty special place. Yeah, well, they were, they were just determined to enjoy it and determined to host a really good party. And if someone wants to host a party, I'll always enjoy myself. Martin, your fight in Argentina yeah. was a, a bit of an experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was um, the, the the best experience of my life up to now. It was fighting someone like him over there who's, who's like a god. You know, they had the Sports Personality Air Award. He was number one and Messi was number three. So <laughs> I think it showed you how big of a star he was over there. But um, yeah, we fought in a football stadium over there and it, it was just it was just mad. It was mad. There, there was, I think there was 46,000 there and there was 45,950 of them with Argentinians, but I still had my loyal 50 over there and... <laughs> He was, uh, yeah. He was, he was making themselves heard. It's fair to say the Argentinians are quite boisterous in terms of their uh, their support for their sporting yeah. icons. Did you experience any of that while you were over there? We didn't. I didn't come across the Argentina team much while I was um, while I was there because we were kind of in Brazil, such a big country, and we didn't we didn't come across it. The, the real um, kind of the real boisterous stuff we saw was 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 Rio fans and because when um, when when we were watching games in Rio, and if the game got a bit quiet, then the um, then the 
then the, the fans of rival real club, real clubs would start chanting at each other to kind of make their own entertainment, and that, and that and it kind of felt like it was going to go off a couple of times. And a couple of times there was a couple of skirmishes from that. So I've certainly seen this kind of South American passion and how they can, um, how they how can you know how volatile it can be. So uh, I don't uh, I don't envy Mango. Well, I would look up to you even more going into that. That must have been quite something. And what were they saying to you? What were your supporters saying to you about? Their experience there. What did they feel? It was hostile. Was it good, good natured? Because even if you go at most, if you go to a boxing night, things yeah. can get a little bit tasty when people start uh, no. flinging insults. Yeah, well, there was lucky because I'm saying there was lucky. They, they, they was in a cage, <laughs> so <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they was in a cage and uh, they've um, they, they had obviously security around them in this fenced off cage. And my brother and my dad and that they were down ringside, and. Some fella come over to Argentina and said, "What are you two doing down here? If I were you, but I get up there." So they stayed there. My, my brothers' games, anything like you know, he was <laughs> he was well up for it there ringside, and then they just started spitting at him and doing all kinds. And then he said, "Listen, we better get up there." So they went up in the cage, and then as soon as as soon as the fight was announced and he won, um, everybody piled into the ring. The ring collapsed. So we had to get taken out with security and then when they announced him doing it, they all started turning and throwing chairs at him. So they had to get rushed outside of this cage into this private room, wait for everything to settle down and then they got a, uh, a police convoy on my arm like so. Just uh, threw them on a bus and all police cars and motorbikes round and just took them back to the hotel. So it was a, it was a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about, I'm not hell. sure great would have been the no, way that he used honest, but... but that's the word they loved it obviously they're all now the safe but yeah it was um... and then you go don't worry my next fight's in South Africa yeah <laughs> great great criminal records there and, and then Monte, Monte Carlo yeah. that, that's that's the, the bee's knees now they must be absolutely made up yeah they've been they've been to all rough places and now they're <laughs> reaping the rewards of the nice places no absolutely have, have you ever had a fight in Vegas no, I've not. Has that ever been a, a, on offer? Because that's often seen as the destination, isn't yeah, it, for, for boxing it, fans as much it, as anyone? It has been on offer, um, but it's a bit of a um, sore subject with me getting not being able to get a visa for the time being because obviously I've, you know, I've turned my life around from when I was a youngster. and Yeah, that that's where I'm up to that now, but I've had some great offers in Vegas, so I've just got to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully I can get my visa and get over in Vegas and... Yeah, well, what a great night that will be. We've got Martin Murray with us, uh, St. Helens boxer, WBC uh, silver middleweight champion. John Gibbons as well from the Anfield Rap, just back from Brazil. Give give, give us your highlight. Give us the moment where you thought, I've made it here. It was just going to the opening game, which is Brazil v Croatia, and and managing to get into that. And, you know, being there when when the Brazilians sing the national anthem, it's, 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 you know, it's an amazing experience the way they cut it out for the last verse and, you know, all sing with with such passion and kind of makes you realise, you know... (laughs) Maybe, maybe with with our players, maybe they're not they're not quite as um, as keen. But um, but yeah, but just just being there for that very first game and um, was was just an amazing experience, and I'll never forget. We need to get God save the Queen is the biggest dirge for yeah. me. Such a dirge. Yeah, you can't get up for it. <laughs> if they had Land of Hope and Glory, I'd give it. I'd you know. Well, yeah, there must be something Jerusalem or something that the the players would enjoy more and they get 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 them, get them a little more pumped because yeah, God save the Queen. They could they come out and they just look like they want to be anywhere else, yeah. don't they? I like that, that the chili one. You know that one that goes oh bloody, oh bloody, that's the one. That's the one for me. And uh, it was your your player. You know the player that you probably you'd never seen play live before that you saw in the World Cup, and you thought, wow, I'm watching him in a World Cup. 
Well, I mean, the real the real surprise was Costa Rica because we went to two Costa Rica games and obviously they've surprised everyone. But 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 seeing the quality of Joel Campbell up front in terms of how he well he holds the ball up, how he can bring others into play, his pace and you know running and you know we saw how sh- absolutely shattered he was at the end of the last game, but still put his penalty away. And I think he surprised a lot of people. But you know, seeing him in the flesh and seeing what a good player he was, you know, makes you kind of wonder why why he hasn't been at Arsenal. I know there might maybe been a few work permit things and things like that, but um, you make wonder that well, you know, last surely they could have used him last season you know when when they had kind of drew and nothing else so kind of seeing seeing him in the flesh was was the kind of real surprise but then but then it was it was great to watch someone like Neymar as well obviously yeah oh yeah Neymar <laughs> some lad called Neymar uh and uh did you end up on the pitch on at one of the stadiums it depends on what you want to talk right. about this Mick uh, you're out of the country. I don't. I don't, I don't think we're monitored <laughs> by the Brazilian there was a, security. There was, there was a there was a couple of games where um, where we were where we we hung around for so long afterwards in the, in the bars and things like that. It seemed pretty empty, so we thought, well, you know, there's no one looking. We'll sneak on. So we we did it in um, in Fortaleza, and then they they didn't seem to mind too much. So we did it again at the Maracanã, and yeah, they weren't very happy at all. How far did you get on the pitch? Did no, you get over, oh, the, did you get over, over the, the line. line yeah. You got over the line. Over the line. Oh. Yeah, but 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 yeah, just just in the corner, like just over the line enough to say you've been on. But yeah, the the, the man and then from the dogs came running. Yeah, the man from FIFA said uh, he never wants to see me there ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Gibbo, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Appreciate thanks it. Uh, Martin's sticking around as well. We've got the latest from the back page. He's on the way next. News, sport, information and debate. Plus the greatest hits from the last four decades. City Talk 105.9. Steve Hothersall joining us in the studio. Uh, we've still got Martin Murray in the studio as well. WBC silver middleweight champion who's been regaling us on air uh, with some great stories and some even better stories off air as well. You, you could write a book, couldn't you? You could write a book. Uh, yeah, some of the stories I've got, yeah, I, th- I think I could. So hopefully one day when my career's finished, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jot all the stories down. How old are you, Martin? 31. Right. Oh, you've still got quite a few years, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ten years, unfortunately. Ten years. Uh, you're um, talking about the sort of the end of your career. One of the big emphases now is about family life. I know family's sort of a massive part of sort of who you are as a, as a person. Yeah. Presumably that's at the back of your mind every time you... You're training every time you, you step into a ring and every time you're going toe-to-toe, even in sparring, that actually you don't want to do anything which will take away the chance for you to enjoy yourself with your, your partner and your, your kids, to be able to take them on holiday, to be able to provide for them for a, you know, a nice house and so yeah. on. Yeah, it's, um, it's, always, it's always in the forefront of my mind that it's why, it's why you do it. got three lovely kids, beautiful wife, you know, and I'm really settled within my family life, so... Everything I do is just about just about providing for them, really, and make, making sure making sure that they're going to be and we're all going to be set up for the rest of our lives. But like I said to you early on, it it's, it, it don't really happen much than in boxing, you know. So um, so I'm I'm not I'm not really sold on the fact that that's going to happen. But all I can do is just keep working my hardest and try my best. When you became the uh, WBC silver middleweight champ and you got back from Monte Carlo, yeah. What was the first point where you were brought back down to earth? Because presumably that happens within your family. You know, you, you suddenly get drafted out to IKEA. To well, it, some flat pack furniture. It, it was why I was over there. Actually, me, uh, me, Missy was over. Uh, Gemma and she um, sports and my little lad after the fight. We was quite happy how everything went. You know, the, the idea of us was for um, to go in there. We was fighting a tough European champion on the you know was very good uh, European level, and we wanted to go and show we was a level above him, which. Which we thought we did. We thought we won every round. We had it under complete control. Completely outboxed him. So we was all happy with our 
performance, like, you know, and then me missus phoned me little lad day after. He was five hour archer. She went, did you watch your dad? He went, yeah. She went, what do you think? She went, um... He was all right. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> I'm there buzzing in Monte Carlo and a good performance thinking, yeah, and then he just he just shot me back down. But it was um I mean, it was great going home, getting the belt. He was mad, he couldn't wait to see you. Same with my little nephews as well. And he took it in school the day after with him and you know, his his teacher uh, was saying there was all the kids were asking, like, why is it green? and you know, asking all these mad questions. So I'm going to go in earlier this week with, with, with my belt in his school and, you know, have a little chat with it to about kids. So boxing's great for that side of things as well. Do you know what I mean? You put all the hard work in and when you can do little things like that away from boxing, you know, it makes it all worth it. So I'm looking forward to that. You seem just dead down to earth, really normal guy. When you're when you're a world champ, is it is it that element of uh, of going down the route of being an Amir Khan and being a little bit showbiz, or is it was there ever yeah. that temptation <laughs> to just be a little bit flash? Come on, what what passed through your mind? What did you think? Well, oh, I'm a world champ. I might just buy a a Ferrari or a you know. It, have it, you always just sort of shunned that and thought I just do nice it for the sport to be able to do that? But I, I think it's all on your your upbringing. Myself, I've had a great upbringing with a great family. You know, a very working class family, and you know, I know I know what. I know what I need to be like. I knew I need to be, you know, I just mm. need to be myself the way I was brought up. And yeah, you know, I, I, I won't change for anybody, really. I, I'm not, the friends, the family, the stuff I've got around me now, I'm just happy and content in my life. So, well, do, you, do you find the further you go up the, the boxing levels, the more maybe that, um, I'm not saying interference, but the, the, the more people at the higher end of the sport who want you for certain reasons are, are trying to maybe approach you or be involved with you? Um Maybe, but but like I said, I've got just a great team around me now. We're kind of like, you know, we're all like a close-knit team. Um, me trainer, Oliver Addison, and, and, and every everyone in the gym side of things. As I mentioned earlier, me, me agent and friend, Andrew McHale, he just makes sure everything's around me secure. Mm. And, you know, we kind of like, we, we don't get interference from anything like that because we just... We're all working as a team, and we know where we want to be. So we're just working hard to reach reach the goal. Who's your? Who's your uh, yeah, we look around our city. We've got loads of great fighters, haven't we? You, you mentioned the Smiths off air. Then, yeah. Um, who particularly do, do you think has got a real chance of of making massive waves in the in the next year or two on on Merseyside? Tony Bellew's moved up away. Smith Brothers doing yeah, well. Tony Bellew at Cruz is a good mate of mine. Tony, we're all close actually. All the Liverpool fighters. We're all brought up on the amateur scene. You know the the, the mm. Merseyside boxing scene, and I know I might be considered as a wool, but <laughs> but we're all we're all what is there. We're all in it together. Mick would never say that. To you. <laughs> I would know. Yeah, but um, there's some great fighters coming through. Um, Rocky Fielding, who trains at our gym, mm. great fighter. Um, Callum Smith, Tony Bellew at Cruiser, Stephen Smith's doing well. Paul, all the Smith brothers are doing well. Um, Paul Butler obviously just won a won a world title you know and the good thing is about about Liverpool boxing is it's not there's so many young kids coming through you know the trainers do, do an unbelievable job the, the boxing trainers I still see them now when I go to the amateur shows and they were trainers from when I was a kid and they dedicate their lives to bringing boxers through and that's the good thing about it with Merseyside you know it'll be forever bringing good fighters through for um for years to come, because because of the trainers and uh, and the great training program that that they've got within the city and within the area. And you, you just mentioned Rocky. Just a, a final thought from me. 
it was fascinating that the fight with Charles Adamu, he went so far uh, over his weight and of course yeah. lost his title. I know he's your mate, so he won't, he won't say anything out no, of order. Be... But how far, you know, at what point do you sort of realise you, you're never going to make your weight for a fight? And in fact, that was so far over yeah. it. I'll, I'll be honest with you, with Rocky. Because um, he's an incredible fighter, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, top I mean. fighter, Rock, and he, he's a top lad. I'd train with him all through that camp. I'd train with him all through it. And he was meant to be fighting Tony Dodson, who's another good friend of mine. He, he, Tony's a top lad. And they're both friends, but sometimes in boxing, that's what you have to do. You know, it's it's a business, so you'd have to put your friendship aside and, and fight. Mm. And that's just the way it goes. And that's what they agreed to do. But then Tony got an air infection, so he had to pull out. And then it was up until like a couple of days before the fight. And Rocky still hadn't got an opponent. So he was thinking, well, it's for a Commonwealth title. I'd have been thinking this anyway. I don't know if Rocky was, but I'd have been thinking, it's a couple of days before a, me fight. I've not got an opponent. There's no way it's going to be for that uh, middleweight, uh, super middleweight title now. So I'd, I don't really have to make me wait. It's just going to be a normal fight, not at me wait. And any boxer will tell you, making weight's hard. You know, if you, if you think that you, you didn't have to make it for the limit because you weren't fighting for that title, you wouldn't do it. So maybe, I'm thinking maybe Rocky's relaxed a little bit and then he's had this opponent to on him at the last minute and then he's thought, well, I've got a lot of weight, get off now. You know what I mean? And then he, he's, he's most probably tried to get it off, woke up in the morning, it's not what it was and he's just thought, well, you know what, it's not worth risking it. And to be honest with you as well, no disrespect to Charles Adamo, who's been a good fighter, in, in the past, Rocky's a level above it, and Rocky mm. was always going to win. And it's hard going into them fights where you think, no matter what, I'm going to win this fight. What's the worst crash you've seen? You know, people who need to shift some weight fairly sharpish because you can do it health in a healthy way, but you can do it in a pretty <laughs> yeah. dangerous way as well. And I, I the, guess it's needs the, must. The worst one was another good friend of mine, um, Jamie Moore. He was um, when I joined Oliver's gym in Salford. Jamie was. British European champion, great fighter, unbelievable fighter. And he'd um he'd took antibiotics the week of his the week of his fight, which these antibiotics that he took retained water and he didn't know it. So he drank loads of water and he woke up in the morning in the way and he was sixteen pound overweight. sixteen pound. We did, there's no way you can shift it. I no. remember Tony Dodson saying on the on the gloves are off about how he used to sit in the sauna for of a steam room for a ridiculous number of hours yeah. just to try and shed it at the, oh, the very yeah. final few oh, days. Terrible. But Jamie did that £16, so he actually did it. And But I remember seeing him the day before in the gym looking like Jamie Moore. And then he he walked in the way and I was there, he's weighing and I just didn't recognise him. He just looked like a completely different person because he'd lost that much weight. Wilting. You'd wilt, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, How can you fight? You know, if you, if you didn't eat properly for a day, I always wonder this. If well, you're that, trying to share, well, that's the other your thing, energy levels are sapped. How on earth well, that's the thing. do you it's, fight? It's, it's going right. afterwards, isn't it? Because then as soon as that weigh-in's done, you can get down the drive through can't you? Well, you can do if you want, <laughs> but it's not It's not how it's done. I mean, I've we, we've just took um, a nutritionist on called Ed Tooley. He works with uh, Wigan Warriors Rugby League, Witness Rugby League, Great Britain Rugby League. And we just started working with him, and we 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 did it this time the best we've ever done it. We he tested me. We found out that I'm intolerant to gluten and to egg and loads of mad stuff. So that completely changed my diet. And then so I've been eating on this gluten free diet. And then when I weighed in, he was giving me a proper carbon program without gluten and wheat, which I'd had before. And then he was 
testing me urine every time I went to the toilet. So he'd test it to see whether I needed to drink more or drink less or slow down my drinking, you know, so it's... But you could go to KFC or the drive through if you wanted, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> well, that or have a fella following you to the toilet every time. <laughs> uh, Martin, thanks for coming in today. Great to see you. Thank you. Really fingers fingers crossed for a, uh, a fight in St. Helens in the next... Well, it'll be next summer. Next summer, mate. Yeah, that's what we're going for. And hopefully it's going to be for... Um, as a defence for me, uh, world title. Langtree Park, that would be a destination it, for a summer fight, absolutely. So, so when would a Miguel, finally, a Miguel Cotto, when would that be in your head if that was ever going to happen? Um, well, this is it, we don't know. We really don't know whether he's going to stay at that weight and all I'm saying, I'm waiting for the phone call. So hopefully I'll get the phone call and it can be sorted, but yeah, we, we, we just don't know at the minute. St. Helens Finest, uh, WBC Silver Middleweight Champion Martin Murray, our special guest on City Talk 105.9. News, sport, information and debate, plus the greatest hits from the last four decades. City Talk 105.9.